but it's huge. Like the number one thing that makes that a social media platform desires is length of time on platform. They want you to be on type on your platform as, as long, long as possible as, yeah. because that means they can deliver more ads to you and they can make more revenue, right? Very simple. Yeah. Very right. simple business model. Whatever your situation is currently is not your forever situation. That's really what real business owners is, man. Like we don't care where you come from, yeah. where are you going? Our goal and our job is to reduce the mistakes that you have to make or the money that you have to lose. You want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be successful, don't give up. You learn, adjust, and continue to move forward. Welcome back to the Real Business Owners Podcast. This is episode 129 with myself, Trevor Cowley. As always, Kilo G. What's up, everybody? Guys, today we have an individual that uh, has been a huge uh person to help us in terms of the marketing things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. You guys know um, that we've been going through the process of kind of stepping back from more of the day-to-day -day stuff, and we want to start focusing on kind of blowing up our business. Mm -hmm. And this is an individual that Kel reached out to. We actually met in in Apex uh, originally, another entrepreneurship group. It's pretty crazy the yeah. network that you, can, that you can build when you invest into uh, surrounding yourself with the right people. But we have Brad Bearden on the show today. This individual, I mean, he knows anything and everything about marketing down to the very minute details, even language that you use yeah. in order to, um, you know, capture people's attention. <laughs> he right. made us film some crazy shit yesterday <laughs> in the office to yeah. capture people's attention. Shit that that we probably wouldn't normally do unless we had an individual behind us yeah. kind of pushing us in that direction. So Brad, we appreciate you coming out and helping us with our businesses and now being able to jump on the podcast and help other individuals as well with theirs. Dude, thank you for having me, man. Yeah. Really love the value that y'all put out in the marketplace. It's love. And I mean, it's reflected. I know you can't see on a podcast yeah. or on camera everything that you do in this office place, right, man? But yeah, y'all's team, the way that you run this organization, the energy, the culture that you've built here, it's amazing, bro. Dude, yeah. we appreciate it. We appreciate it. It's always it. great to hear that because, yeah. you know, you go through dips sometimes in culture, like COVID and all this stuff. We're like, oh, I got to get culture back, you know? And so when people come in, they're like, dude, the vibe here is good. It's like confirming the like, yeah. okay. You know what I mean? We're, we're doing something right. Well, the, I think what happens is some people, they'll, they'll, culture will be top of mind for a minute. Like, hey, we need to invest in a culture. And then it starts getting good. And when something starts getting good, people start getting relaxed. Yeah. Right. They pull back. They stop investing in the areas because they're starting to see results. Yeah. And if you're seeing results, you should continue to invest into that area. Mm -hmm. You know, we're guilty of it as well. We went through a process of having you know, what was it, six o'clock in the morning or 6.30 workouts every single Wednesday. If they showed up four weeks in a row, they would get a bonus on their check, get them out sweating together, working out together, basically just bringing people together outside of the office. You know, we mm -hmm. have country club memberships uh, that our employees get to go use. We got a break room that's fully stocked. And so we, we went through a big, big push of building the culture that way for a period of time. And then COVID hit. You know, we would go bowling, we would do a bunch of different stuff. And some of the stuff that we would do together, bowling alleys weren't open. Nobody wants yeah. to put their fingers in those damn things when everybody's <laughs> scared that they're going to catch something and right. they think they're just going to all of a sudden tip over and die out mm -hmm. of nowhere, right? right. Uh, which isn't the case, as we know now. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of that stuff that we used to do kind of got pulled back from us. And we felt even a dip during that time frame. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, we've discussed that, we've talked about it, and we've continued to try to keep that top of mind. So it's always mm -hmm. refreshing to have somebody come in and see the effort that we put in, yeah. in terms of the culture type vibe that, that we like to create. But uh, I'd like to start with the story. 
Yeah. yeah you know, Kel's oh, like, yeah, yeah. this guy. Well, dude, this, first, I, I got to say, though, crazy story. I do got to say before yeah. we jump into that, um, when, dude, the first time I actually heard you talk was on the Clubhouse app. Oh, yeah. And I came in trail. I'm like, dude, this is cool, dude. Brad Bearden on, on Clubhouse, I was listening to, and he's like, bro, I've seen him in our Instagram page. And I was like, genuinely excited. I'm like, really? Oh, that's cool, <laughs> man. And then and then I didn't know you were in Apex at that point either. And so just connecting with you on all these levels, I was even telling Corey, I was like, bro, I just think this dude was meant to come in and help yeah. us do some things. And there's not very many people I take my shirt off, my pants <laughs> off, my put my boots on and do some videos with. But like, and hey, man, when you admire yeah. somebody and yeah. their skill set as much yeah. as I do this, you man, crushed it, though, bro. Like, you crushed dude, it. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun. It made it fun, dude. But I wouldn't just do that with anybody. Well, right? just, just That's so, the power of having an awesome coach. Hey, well, just so that you know, yeah. Brad pulled me aside and said, I'm going to have Kel take his pants off. It has nothing hey. to do with marketing. We're not even going to use it. I'm just going to see if his ass is really willing to hey. do it. I'm glad you guys did. How much did you really got in the game, brother? <laughs> you know, so he, hey, I, I, we he bet, went all in. I, I bet him 100 bucks that he couldn't get your pants yeah. off. And he, he figured out a way to do it by using it as a marketing ploy. You know what? You he know, led me right so. down that hole, dude. It was just, yeah. hey, I bet I can get his get Kel's pants off. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah, bet 100 bucks. That's all the angle. Hey, Kel, this is going to drive yeah. more business to your business. Hey, I'm a lay down. Kel drops his pants. <laughs> Boom, good to go. He's getting so, carried around by this big yeah. curly guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, the, the thing is, is you got to get uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. if you really want to stand out, you're going to have to get uncomfortable. You're going to have to do things that other people aren't willing yeah. to do. And, you know, I've seen that uh, you've been able to make that happen just yeah. in the, you know, 24 hours or whatever that you've been here. So we definitely appreciate that yeah. professional push, you know, yeah. so... You got it, brother. <laughs> let's uh, let's jump into the story because I haven't heard it yet. Kel's heard it, and uh, Kel's Kel's uh, excited. He's got a lot of great stories. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, stories. this might be another two or three hour show if he didn't have to catch a flight. Right. So <laughs> we'll try to condense it down and and uh, you know get as many stories extracted yeah. from him as we possibly can because he is a wealth of knowledge. So I appreciate that. Let, man. Let's let's talk about maybe the early early years, some of the struggles that you had to face were overcome to put yourself in the situation that you're in right now. Yeah, I appreciate that. I was talking to Corey earlier, and he said something that I really appreciated, but I, I think there is also some lost value in that because when he heard the rest the beginning stages of a story, which we'll talk about in just a moment, he said, bro, I, you're one of the few people, I'm great at reading people. You're one of the few people that the way you carry yourself today is so professional and so knowledgeable, I never would have put two and two together. Yes. I never would have foreseen that. And I, and I find some some pride in that because like, wow, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, yeah, it's a I rag to riches type story, lot, yeah. but no, it's because my identity is different now, yeah. right? And it started, I mean, if you take it all the way back to when I was a kid, just like a lot of people had a really fucked up childhood. Like, I mean, yeah. five years old, staring down the barrel of a gun while my mother's beaten and bloodied behind me and my dad's about to about to put a bullet through her brain and I'm just begging him not to kill her. Yeah. That's, that type of scenario played out in my life multiple, multiple mm -hmm. times. Yeah. And then I had that's some heavy shit right off the mm, bat. I mean, it, it comes in and like that's that was a, a very good picture of my childhood. That was a mm. consistent thing. Then my dad, who I, that was my biological father, he ended up going in and out of prison, passed away, I think, died of AIDS, never really knew him beyond those type of scenarios. Then my dad, who I carry his last name, took me as his own, still the greatest man ever known, mm. took me, my baby sister, as his own, uh, adopted me. And then unfortunately, when I was 12, he passed away in a mm. car accident. And that kind of rocked my world and, and did for my mother as well. And so from that point forward, I think my mother was trying to fill that void of his loss, mm. right? And the stability he provided. So she married and remarried and remarried again. And She's it was trying a, to find that lightning in a bottle again, so exactly, to speak. Like right. maybe she was doing that because, you know, I, I, I think parents carry a lot of weight in terms of just wanting to put their kids in a good environment, right? That's right. And so she's like, 
let's go through, you know, whoever we have to go through to try to give the kids what she feels like they need. That's in so order, true. You know, so, um, God, it's, so already, least, it's already heavy, bro. Yeah, man. And, but, it gets better uh, real quick. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's, um, let's, let's, I guess, maybe. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so we... Uh, so long story short, it was a very inconsistent childhood, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and, yeah, all that, all yeah, that bullshit. Yeah. And then by the time I graduate high school, I'm a full fledged alcoholic. Like I'm, I'm all the way there. And I, but I, I'm just a good old country boy. Like, you know, I, I grew up in a small one red light town, like legit yeah. one red light town. And they're like, Oh, Brad just likes to drink. He's just a country boy, likes to drink. Never thought anything of it. Nine 11 had just happened recently. So I decided to go into the Marine Corps. I go there and now I've got a head this big, right? You can't tell me shit. I'm a United States Marine, dumb as a rock, yeah. right? Bullheaded, but full of ego, and but but you're wearing the outfit, right? I'm wearing the outfit, and and I was and I wasn't even a full time Marine after I went through boot camp and all that stuff. I was in the reserves, so I'm back home. I'm like, you know, yeah. I'm thinking I'm the guy, I'm the man now, and that really made my drinking even worse because who are you? Even if you thought I was drinking too much, yeah. I'm a United States Marine. Who right. are you to talk to me? Yeah, right? I'm untouchable. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it gets to it gets out of hand and. Uh, I was about to deploy. It was a Saturday before I'm about to deploy to uh, OIF, Operation Iraqi Freedom. And all that day we're going out. I was deploying on that, that coming Tuesday. And so that Saturday we are sitting there. So I'll just. No, so <clears throat> his phone was just jingling. It was. <laughs> a little bit. So he had to take a peek at it. Make sure everything at home's good. Yeah, hey man. Got to check on them kids. Yeah. But um, so that Tuesday I was deploying. And so that Saturday we, I'd been out on the lake drinking all day, just having a great time drinking and fishing. And then Saturday night comes around and uh, we have this big party. I'm already, I'm completely wasted. Yeah. Like, wasted. Daydream. And we go. And yeah, caught so, up to you. Yeah, exactly. So we, well, we run out of beer. It's like my last party before we go to Iraq. So I'm like, I'm going to let that happen. So you were going to blow it out that day. My claim to fame. (laughs) My claim to fame. My first claim to fame. My unfortunate (laughs) claim to fame comes right after. So I said, I was like, all right, I'm going to go down to the grocery store. It's a local grocery store called Bruno's. All right. Go down there, drunk as shit. And I walk in the store, stumble in there, get two cases of Bud Light. And apparently I wrote a note, don't remember this. Didn't have any money. Walk up to the walk up to the cash register, set two cases of Bud Light on the on the counter. And uh, hand the lady a note that said, give me the money. Don't remember it. But nonetheless, the lady's like, are you serious? I was very polite. I said, yes, ma'am. And so she hands that. <laughs> she grabs like, I don't know, like 60s. I don't remember. 60, 80 bucks. It's all on camera. It was, it was on America's Dumbest Criminals. And I, I, so she gives yeah. me the money. I tell her, thank you. Like, well, thank you, ma'am. I grab the two cases of Bud Light. And I stumble my ass out the door. And I go to this parking lot. And I walk to the parking lot and get to the car. Unfortunately, I don't have one thing that I really need to get away. That's car keys. <laughs> My car keys are still sitting on the register. By the way, this, this uh, grocery store that I'm in is in a shopping center. Guess what else is also in the shopping center? Not down the road, in the same shopping center. The police station? The police station. <laughs> so, so I'm turning around. I'm holding two cases. You got to picture this. I'm holding two cases of Bud Light, and they're like, no, that's him. I've got his keys. I'm like, oh, shit. So I start running, and I run through these bushes. The police are coming out. I'm falling. Bud Light bust out everywhere. The whole parking lot's covered in Bud Light. <laughs> like, anyways, I'm arrested, and I'm charged with armed robbery. Not because I had walked in there with a gun or anything like that. I'd been fishing all day, and I had a fishing knife in my pocket. I never brought it out or anything, but come to find out, if you commit a crime and you have a weapon mm-hmm. in your possession, mm-hmm. it's an armed, armed defense. Exactly. So I get charged with armed robbery. And long story short, I end up spending four and a half years in prison. Never went to Iraq. Uh, thankfully, I was a good Marine, and they could have they could have destroyed me. And they looked out for me and gave me a general discharge under other than honorable conditions instead of mm. a dishonorable, yeah. dishonorable or yeah. a discharge. 
So that was good. But I spent four and a half years in prison. And that was a very, very unique time in my life. Dark um, time? Uh, it, it, it was a, uh, initially dark, but then you found, you know, maybe some answers in there of what you wanted to do with your life. Did you ask yourself some of those tough questions and kind of well, I think recommit to a new life when you when you got out or not at first, you know, and I was talking to Kale about this earlier. Mm-hmm. It's not a part of my life I'm ashamed of, but nor am I proud of it. For yeah. the first two and a half years, you got to understand, I'm a 21 year old white man going into penitentiary. I have no money. I have no family. I have no alliance. I'm I'm just me. Yeah. Right. I, and the reality is, is you have I have two options. I can either become a homosexual or I can become very violent. And for the first time in my life, my life, I decided I was going to stand for something. And not that I, I have all the love for anybody that chooses whatever lifestyle, but yeah. I wasn't going to have anything forced upon me. Yeah. And so I became, I became a very violent individual, and I would say a worse person. I became a much worse person for the first two and a half years. You were putting your armor on, bro. Yeah. yeah. For the I mean, environment, right? Yeah, it's, like it's, it was it's, so it, survival. That, that, you, you didn't go serve in Iraq. No. Nah, but but it, it, that's, that's a, a war zone, right? right? Like and you it, have to be mentally prepared and battle tested and mentally, physically, emotionally in order to survive in an environment like that, right? Yeah, and what it gave me was an opportunity to really create who I wanted to become, right? Because again, I had no, my family, when I got transferred from one prison to another uh, or anything, my family had no idea. No one kept up with me. I was kind of blackballed, right? And I, They were just it, like, it, let him go do his time. He'll get out. And you uh, know, There was whatever. even no expectation of when I got out. or mm. It was just, just it, a detached family. Right. Yeah. And so I, so I had this blank slate. There's no expectations. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make something of myself. I'm going so, to recreate myself into who I want to become. Because up until that point, maybe because of my childhood, whatever, I, like, I had just been whatever I needed to be to suffice the moment. Right. Like that's all that I've been. I think there's a lot of people that go through life and that's all they are. They're a product of whatever they need to become mm-hmm. to make the moment happen the way mm. they, you know, to just survive. Yeah. And so I just decided, you know, after a couple of years, like, no, I, I want to be an honest man. Like I'm going to stand for something up until that point. I was dishonest. I mean, to the point to where, and I don't know why I think it was just, just trying to get people to accept me or like me, but I was the general, I was a guy that would lie to you. If you asked me, if uh, if you've seen Batman Returns and I'd never even heard of it, I'm like yeah, man, I saw that and just you just had it, no it was insignificant. To, yeah, it was insignificant, but I just wanted that acceptance by yeah. someone so bad, and I was just a dishonest individual. And so I chose. It sounds odd, but I chose like no, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the truth no matter what. Like I'm just that's just uh, that's a rock I'm gonna One stand upon. One of your upon. values yeah. that you want to have. And yeah. so I ha- it gave me an opportunity to start creating that. It gave me also an opportunity to learn the power of listening. Right. Because mm. right there in that environment, you need to be very, very alert. well alert and very well keen of what's going on around you. What are people's agendas? What are they trying to accomplish so that you can. Like, so you, you can, have to navigate it. Right. right. And Absolutely. So, and the only way to navigate something is be aware. Exactly. Yeah. So I became very skilled in that. And I decided coming out, I wanted to become a personal trainer. So I did everything I could to really start studying that, to learn that. And, and this also to paint the picture of the environment, this is, I think, a funny part of the story. It wasn't funny for me at the moment, but <laughs> I got sent to the, the prisons are on a level of one to six, right? One being like work release or something. Six is maximum security, nothing but lifers. Well, I go to a level four. And they have this entrance thing where they test you, just like the ASVAB for the military. They test yeah. you on your, you know, language, math, and all these different social skills. And you take this little test. And I, compared to most people in the penitentiary, I had a lot higher scores. They're like, hey, could you, would you want to be a tutor? Well, this was like, I'm in prison. They don't have air conditioning. Like, the only place that they have 
um, air conditioning is in the school area. So like, yeah, I can have AC. So I'm like, sure. Well, what they did not tell me is they did not need a tutor. It was a math tutor for GED. They did not need a tutor at that level four. Right across the street, there's a level six. So two weeks later, I'm, mo- I'm walked across the street in the middle of the night, and, which is unheard of. They transferred me to the level six facility because that's where they needed uh, they needed Somebody a tutor to help educate. Oh right. So I'm walking into this thing. So I'm, I'm this 21-year-old, just like na- naive white dude, right, <clears throat> that's just walking into a level six where the average prison sentence is 41 years, where people are doing 85%. I mean, the, now the only good side to that is they just assumed that I had the same sentence, right? Mm-hmm. That was the assumption because that's what everyone there was. So I, ha- I had to grow up real quick. I had to create, like, I had to create a persona. I had to decide what I was going to stand for and what I wasn't. And I had to be willing to die for that. Like, that's just the reality. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to make a decision. I'm going to, whatever you say that you're going to stand for, mm-hmm. well, be ready to, to give your life for that. So there's a certain amount of, uh, I think, impact that has on my personality even to this day. But fast forward, um, I was actually supposed to be there for five years, about six months before I was, Scheduled to be released by a miracle. I really don't understand to this day. I just get woken up. And, uh, it was early in the morning. It was like 6 in the morning. They called me to the front. They're like, Bearden, you're being released. Like, what? Like, you're being released. And I'm in the Decatur, Alabama at the time. Huh? And I, I, I literally I broke down in tears. So I go back. I pack all my little stuff that I got. And I have, like, I have nowhere to go. I have no family to come pick me up. I don't have So I literally had an officer from that camp drive me from Decatur, Alabama, an officer, down to Birmingham and dropped me off downtown next to a halfway house. And I was just, I was homeless. I didn't have nowhere to go. So I go in this halfway house and they're like, well, you know, we, we don't have it, like any room dream, but we, we've got a cot over here in this like dormitory. If you want to sleep there, I bet. Like I need, I need somewhere yeah. to sleep. Yeah. So then I go, I have the challenge of like, I've, I've decided I'm going to be a personal trainer. I've been studying and studying and trying to do this. Well, I go out and I'm going and putting applications everywhere. Now, all I got is a high school education. I am, I'm not certified as a personal trainer. I have none of that stuff going for me. But nonetheless, I'm out there, and I'm filling out all these applications. But remember, I had made the decision I was never going to lie. I wasn't going to lie again, mm. right? So what does every application ask you? Mm. What does it ask? If you have a degree. If you're a federal. Or if you have a, you, federal, oh, if you're a, a felony. A felony. If you've yeah. ever committed a felony. Right. So I'm like, yes. Yes. And, and I'm getting nowhere. Like nobody wants to hire me. I'm getting no callbacks. I'm getting no interview. I'm like, man, this sucks. Finally, I had, uh, there was a gym called Sportplex in Birmingham, Alabama. It's about a 30,000 square foot facility. There was three of them and a management company from Atlanta had came in and recently ta- taken over and they hired me. They put me through the interviews. They hired me. And I, I remember going home. I had this big packet of um, like onboarding, like all the little information. I was sweating. I'm like, God, I made it this far. I never even gotten through the interview process yeah. before. So I'm all stoked. And I think that even giving me my shirt to say like trainer on the back. So I'm like, oh, I, I'm like I right it. there. Yeah. And, um, and I go through this whole packet. They never asked the question. To this day, I couldn't believe it. I was like, it just never asked if you've ever been committed of a crime, ever committed, being convicted of a crime. So I didn't have to answer. So I'm like, bet, let's go. And it was just a 1099 job. So I was paid $12.50 per every 30-minute session that I was able to first sell for like $35, $40 and service. So it was was like I killed what I ate and I wasn't eating eating a lot. But at that point in time, you got to think, man, four and a half years, it's like the way I describe it is like a pit bull being chained to a tree and he's starving. He's got a whole these steaks sitting out in front of him and finally somebody cuts that chain off. Like I'm hungry. I'm going to eat. So I'm I'm there. I mean, it was – uh, probably 60, 80, 100 hours a week, 
no, nonstop at that gym. It didn't matter if nobody else was there. I was still there figuring out what do I got to do, learning, because I didn't have any sales training at this point, nothing. I'm just, I'm just learning, figuring it out. First two months, I think I'd made $860, $840, uh, $860 is what I'd made in my first two months of grinding it out. But I'd figured some shit out, right? I'd figured out all right, how to sell, how to start these conversations, how to get people into a consultation, how to sell them a bigger package, how to service them quickly and how to get referrals. I, I started figuring all this stuff out. Well, within six months, so four months after that, the management team from Atlanta had came in and the fitness director who had like a $40,000 a year salary plus commission of everything that was sold in the gym, fired him and gave me his job. I'm like, I made it. And then maybe six <laughs> months after that, like, I'm like, you got to think, I beat the odds. Yeah, yeah. Six months after that, six to eight months after that, I was promoted to regional fitness director with a, with a six-figure salary, making $100,000 a year and commission bonuses for all three of the facilities. So now I'm like, dude, I'm here. Yeah. I beat the odds. I beat the system. I'm winning. Yeah. And so I do that for a couple of years. Everything's great. I get married. I just started. I decided I was going to start my own little personal training business. And if you know anything about that industry, like a lot of trainers will go out and they will go to little small mom and pop gyms and they'll subcontract, like pay $500,000 mm -hmm. a month. And I'll just kind of build my own business there. Right? right. Started my own little first LLC. And I brought some clients that knew me from, uh, from that other gym. And, you know, so I'm kind of building my own little business. Well, then like, at that point where I'm feeling like I've made it and everything's great, yeah. the whole bottom falls out again. So I go through a very contentious divorce. I have twin girls, Jaden Faith and Jordan Hope. And uh, like, they're, I mean, I've got five kids now. They're, they're in my world. Like, I'm just so enamored. I wanted to always, one of the biggest missions of life is being the dad I never had, right? Mm. And just being there in all aspects. So I'm all diving into that. I'm building my first little business. And then this divorce just financially devastates me. I had, I'd built up my credit. Yeah. I had an 805. I know for a fact, because right before this, I just bought a Tahoe. I had an 805 credit score. I had money in the bank. I had like, I mean, I had clients paying me. Everything was good. And then all this stuff happened. I got, and because of that, I was financially devastated. I had every, all the bank accounts were drained. Uh, all the credit cards were maxed out by my ex-wife. Like, I mean, and my credit score within 30, 60 days went from, 805 to blow a 500, have no money, have no credit, move out the house. But I had full custody of my girls. Mm. Now think about this. I'm a first time dad. I got nine month old twin girls that are eating every three hours. And I'm, I'm figuring all this out. I'm trying to grow a business. Well, I'm taking them to the gym with me, this gym that I'm subcontracting out of. And I'm sitting there trying to train clients. I got them in the office and the owner comes to me after a couple of weeks. He's like, dude, I know you're going through a lot. But like, we can't do this. Like, you can't be having your kids. You got to have some family or somebody. I couldn't afford day, a daycare, babysitter, yeah. couldn't afford daycare, didn't have no family to watch them. So I was like, I didn't know what to do. So just like any great entrepreneur, now's the time to start my own fucking thing, right? right. I'm going to go get my own facility with no money, no credit, no coast. I have none of this. So I legit, I'm like, I'm on a mission. I'm going to commercial real estate agent after commercial real estate agent. I'm knocking on doors. I'm, I'm calling and I'm just getting laughed at. I'm getting hung up on. I'm getting my number blocked. I'm, I, but I'm nonstop. I'm like, I'm going to find a way. Finally, this dude, I guess I'd called and left messages. I have no idea. He calls me back. The gentleman's name's Terry Ponder of Ponder Properties, Birmingham, Alabama. He called older gentleman, probably in his eighties. He calls back. He's like, Mr. Beard, I hear that you're trying to trying to start a gym or you're looking for a place to start a gym. I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, well, I've got a, I've got a uh, piece of property here in a real nice area in Hoover, Alabama. You want to take a look at it? I said, yes, sir, I sure would. So scheduled time, show up. Now, honestly, I almost didn't show up because I was like, man, I'm just going to break this point? dude. Yeah. yeah. But I show up. He has not, it's only a little 1,200 square foot facility, 
but it was previously a personal training studio named Fitness Together that had been foreclosed upon. Mm. And if you know what that means, that means they came in, they locked the doors. So there's like thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of equipment, equipment in mm. there. So he hasn't even turned the lights on to show it to me. I was like, Mr. Ponder, I just want to be honest with you up front before I waste any more of your time. I don't have any money. I don't have any credit. I don't have anyone to co-sign for me. I don't have anything for a down payment. Any of the stuff that you're going to require, I don't have. But I have my word. And if you'll find a way to give me a shot, I will make this work. That was it. That was my whole sales pitch. And he just sat there. Like the light, we're still, we're sitting in the dark. And he's just looking at me. And he's like, well, son, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's a good, that's, that's a good start. That's the first person. We're so far, <laughs> Thank God I'm not the only one that believes in me. Bro, Thank that, you. That was, that's you exactly know? how I felt. Like, so he's like, like winning the lottery again, you know, Dude, like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> the lottery comes next. Yeah. So we're sitting there and he says, hey, well, let's take a, make certain that you like it. He flips the light on, all his equipment's in there. It's just a 1,200 square foot facility with a little office in the back. That's all you need to start. Though. Absolutely. Hell yeah. So we're sitting there. And I was like, yeah, he's like, well, let, we don't, he's like, we just obviously manage the property. The owner of it lives in California. Let me reach out to him. I'll reach out to him today or tomorrow and I'll get back to you. Very next day, he calls me and says, he says, Mr. Bearden, I got good news. I'm like, what's that? He's like, we're going to give you the lease. And you've never heard of this. I promise you, I've never heard of this before. He said, we're going to give you the lease. We're not going to require any credit check. We're not going to require any co-signer. We're not going to require any down payment, which is typically first and last. Yeah. We're not going to require any of that. Um, and we're going we're gonna to give you a five-year lease. We're going to give you the first three months completely free. We're going to give you the second three months at half the rate. And um, if this is a part I've never heard of anyone doing, he said, if by any, for any reason, after one year, you're, you're not able to fulfill the financial obligations of this lease, we'll, we'll wash, it. It, wash the lease with no penalties whatsoever. Yeah. Well, who, I've never heard of that. <laughs> sounds like Jesus. It sounds like I don't, oh, no, it comes Jesus, better. This bro. is where Jesus shows up, man. Yeah. He says, he says, oh, and by the way, uh, you noticed there's a whole bunch of equipment in there, probably maybe thirty or $40,000 worth. I said, yes, sir. He's like, we'd like to sell it to you. I said, Mr. Ponder, I need it. And I thank you. I said, but when I tell you that I'm broke, like I'm broke, I don't have, I'll set up a payment plan with you of some sort, but I'm just, I want it. I need it. But I don't have anyone. He said, I think you can figure it out. I talked to the owner and we're going to sell every single bit of that equipment to you for $1. One dollar. <laughs> like, yeah. I can come up with that. I got yeah. you, brother. Yeah. And, and so I had my chance, man. And I, but I'd given this man my word. And so this is kind of where it all transitions to why we're here today. Mm. Is I'd given this man my word that I was going to make this work. I knew nothing about marketing and sales. Nothing. Um, I, I, so the only thing I could think of is like, all right, I need a website, right? Because that's cheap. People just call you or they show up. So I, I, I had this like four hundred dollar green two thousand one Chevy Lumina. Windows didn't work. AC didn't work. Only one headlight worked. Like piece of crap that I would drive. I couldn't afford Wi Fi. Right? I couldn't afford internet access. I had this little laptop. Probably cost one hundred fifty two hundred dollars at a pawn shop. And so I was like, let me. I got to figure out how to build a website. So I would drive from where my little apartment was. I would every single night. I put my girls to sleep. And I'd put little, their two bottles up. So if they woke up, their bottles would be right there. And they could just start sipping on the bottles and go back to sleep. <laughs> right. And I'd pull up done to. That. <laughs> right. I've done that. Yeah. There's a little dad Prop up with there. a little blanket underneath the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll pull up to where the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Where the little coffee is. Uh, the coffee part of Barnes and Noble. You know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. where they sell coffee. So I pull up right there, a little cafe. I pull up to the, where, the closest I could to the cafe. They're closed, right? And I could connect to their Wi-Fi, steal their Wi-Fi. So I get there and I Googled all night long. Uh, how to build a website, how to get number one in Google, how to get number one in YouTube, or mm -hmm. how to get number one in Bing and Yahoo and all these things. And I, it was trial and error. And I built this thing from the scratch by Google and YouTube trying to figure this shit out. And lo and behold, 
I figured it out. I got, I built my website. It, it converted. I figured out how to make it convert. And I got number one in all of those locally. You get number one uh, in all the organic rankings. So that led to 18 months later, I'd done my first $1.2 million. Mm. And the beautiful part about it was I, I had my girls with me the entire time. Like I'm sitting there, they're still 9, 10, 11, 12 months old. And they're going through They're Like as I'm getting clients, they're coming in. I have a pallet set up in my little office in the back and they're, they're in there sleeping or playing and I'm out there training clients. Like I'm a one minute shop. So I had to learn uh, efficiency in sales, mm-hmm. in automation, in marketing, like, and cause I'm still doing it all. Right. Yeah. And I didn't hire anybody for a long time. The very first person I hired was just an assistant, just like an admin assistant to do all the little nuances, yeah. which was a brilliant move. I think that's probably one of the best first hires anyone should make um, when you're scaling a business from nothing. P- just my personal advice. But nonetheless, I get it. I, 18 months later, done 1.2, got another gym, a bigger gym, went to, an, got another gym, kind of built that whole thing and found that like my passion, like I love fitness for me. Like yeah. I love to work yeah, out. It feels I, good. It does. Yeah. I, I like being the fit dad. I like having energy that most dads don't. I like the confidence it gives me to walk into a room and to have conversations with yeah. anybody. Um, I enjoy it. I don't necessarily enjoy it as much as an everyday business. What my passion was, was the, was the marketing and sales and systematizing that finding like I, mm-hmm. I, that I found my passion mm-hmm. through all this. I've never had a dream of becoming an elite marketer. So that led to other, at first it was just other gyms, other gyms reaching out to me like, Hey dude, can you help me? Cause I mean, there's people that are like, you know, they had all the capital world and they're struggling to do half a million dollars a year. And I'm over here fucking crushing it. Yeah. And, and, Bur- and dude, I'm talking about, if you would have saw this gym, it, although it was a gym first, I don't know why they had carpet flooring. The first flooring I got was a piece at a time from horse stalls off Craigslist. So none of it matched like all the, all the carpet floor. I mean, all the rubber flooring was mismatched. Like it was a little, little gritty, bro. Yeah. Little gritty. It was as gritty as it could be. But I mean, just, just to interrupt here real quick. I mean, if, if you guys notice a couple of things here so far that's happened is one, when Brad actually went all in and committed, the universe conspired with him that's to true. help him find those individuals that would work with him to get to his goal. The, you know, he, the guy probably had long hair, yeah. beard and, and a cloak. Jesus <laughs> right. came into his life and right. said, Hey, we're going to give you this, we're, you know, this is what's going to happen. It's just funny when somebody goes all in without even having any answers, not knowing what the fuck, who's going to give him a chance. But once you fully commit to something, you'll start seeing things happen. But I think the universe, God, whatever knows your level of commitment. Yeah. You might say verbally that you're committed or you're all in, but your actions may show something completely different. Right. Um, That's true though, man. You make enough phone calls, you sh- you, put, you power through enough rejection, yeah. and you keep going. Like God's going to put Mr. Ponder in front yeah, of somebody. Yeah, you know what like, I mean? It, yeah. Exactly. You're, you're Mr. Ponder's out there once you go all in. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Uh, secondly, um, you found something that ended up being a vehicle to finding the thing that you're ultimately best at. Right. Right. And I think uh, not enough people realize that maybe the business that they're in is just a vehicle to get them so far down the track. That's so true. To ultimately find what their superpower is or what they're really great at. In most cases, individuals that start their first business, all that is is a vehicle to get you to the, the next thing. Right. That might carry you to you know, first year, two years, three years. And then as you start playing in business, you'll find out what your zone of genius, so to speak, is, which is ultimately what happened. But if individuals aren't taking action and they're waiting to find 
their zone of genius or their superpower. They're never going to really know what it is unless you're actually putting action behind something. And again, as long as you're all in, these dominoes will happen in your life. And again, you just might not see it. You might not know what it's going to be, but it just starts with starting. Right. And that's exactly what mm-hmm. you did in starting with the right mindset. And so I wanted to highlight that because some people might be going down a path right now, believing that they're all in and wondering why nothing good is happening. Well, nothing good is happening is because you're, you, you need to check yourself. That's right. You know, you're probably not as in as what you say that you are. Are you willing to make a million phone calls knowing for a fact that you're an individual that would be disqualified by a hundred percent of people, unless you find right. Mr. Ponder or whatever his name was. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people will write themselves off because they don't feel qualified. That's true. Right. You didn't do that. You know, you knew it was going to be difficult. You knew you had to put in a lot of applications or you're going to have to speak to a lot of people and hear a lot of no's and deal with that rejection. But the commitment level was a hundred percent and that's what ultimately made it happen. And so that's the question that people really need to ask themselves. Are you really a hundred percent committed? Are you really putting the action forward that that's needed in order to see the success that you say that you want? And that's exactly what Brad did. And so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing story and it's, there's so many lessons within oh, yeah. that story already, and it's not even complete yet. Well, <laughs> to touch on that for a minute, I think there's there's something to be said about feeling the pain. We, I think we, mm-hmm. most of us live in a way where we try to get, if something burns us, right, or something pains us, we try right. to get away from, it. from it. Avoid it. Right, but yeah. that you don't, in business specifically, in life as a whole, you don't know what you don't know. Right. I didn't know that I needed to learn sales processes. I didn't know that I needed to become a master at Infusionsoft to automate things. I didn't know that I need to learn language patterns and trigger words. I, I didn't know until well, you're in prison. You're just like, I just I need to be fit and read up on how to get fit. And right, everything right. else will take care of itself. And then you get into real life. There's much more to business. Right. You know, in terms of just looking the part. Right. There's right. a lot of but, aspects that you have to know. But when you really go all in. Like we talked about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. When you really go all in, like there was a moment, and that's still, I, I can visualize it to this day. I mean, as vivid as anything that I ever remember is I'm sitting there with this gym. I'm still in the first few months of it, and every little dollar comes in, I'm betting on, like, I'm betting, putting it right back into the business, every mm-hmm. single thing. Well, I have a light bill coming due in my little apartment. It's just me and my two little girls, right? And I'm like, ah. I believe, I'll figure it out. I'll make, I, I need to, I need to make this little $200 investment into my gym. It sounds insignificant, but it was a lot. It was there. All I yeah. had, I'm, I'm going to put it into the business and I'll figure out a way to make it in time for the light bill. Well, I didn't. Right. So I come home and I'm bringing my two little girls in the door and I'm like, the lights are off. And it was on a Friday. I remember it was on a Friday because they're, cl- the, they the closed the weekend. Departments, yeah. And so I'm like, Saturday, Sunday. so I'm like, well, the, the Alabama power was closed on Saturday and Sunday. So there's nothing that you can do then. So I'm calling them like, please just look, just leave my lights on for the weekend. And I'll, I'll, I'll figure I'll it out on Monday. On like Monday, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, and they're like, no. And, no. and at this time I have my little girls are sitting in their car seats. We're in the dark in the apartment and they start crying or whatever. And I've never met yet. I was like, shut up. And they both, I mean, they're just infants they're babies yeah. that they look at me and I could tell it was the first time they'd ever seen me like lose it for yeah, a second. Frustrated. Like, and, and it broke me, bro. Like it, 
I felt the pain, and I got them out of the car seats, and I held them in the dark, leaning up against a little kitchen or a little dining room wall, didn't even have a dining room table. I'm leaning up against there, and I'm crying like a little baby, and I promise I was like, oh, you will ne- I will never put you in this position again. I will never put you in this position again. We had to go all weekend without no lights, but you'd be damned. I, like, that is to this day, like, mm-hmm. a driving, my children will never fucking feel that pain. It is because I felt it for them, right? Mm-hmm. And it is, and that is the stuff that spars the creativity you're talking about you when you are you really all in have you put yourself in a position where losing isn't an option because that's going to teach you what you need to know mm-hmm. that you don't know what you need to know at this point when you feel the pain that real that's what's going to teach you that these are the things that you need to know to move forward and that's what's going to give you the power to move forward regardless of what somebody says mm-hmm. what they think what you're qualified for not, now i'm going to find it i'm going to find a way to make this shit happen and i think that's a that's a that's an invaluable skill set for every entrepreneur you get close to the pain, whatever that pain is. Stop running from it. Go get go get burnt by it. Mm-hmm. Feel that pain and let it fuel you. Yep. Let it be a fuel for you. And so that led to going into the marketing or the marketing consulting world, where a bunch of gyms started reaching out to me. And I was like, Yeah, sure, I'll help you. And they and cool thing was they had money, right? They had, they, right, they could yeah. pour money in yeah. ideas and stuff. And so that started working. That led into other service based businesses. I started working with them. That led to franchise reaching out to me. And I just, again, I had the same mentality. Like if I'm going to work with you, I mean, you've seen it here. Right. Like we're, we're doing this shit. Yeah. Like yeah. We're, we've got deadlines. We've got timelines. We're going to do it the right way. We're going to do it this way. And we're going to do it now. Mm. And, it's, and so I was that way. So these gyms started blowing up these other businesses. Then I started working on a franchise. They blew up. And that was when uh, I got the attention of Frank Kern, which is in the marketing world, is like the godfather. Yeah. So he reached out to me to do some consulting for him. So I did that for like 30 days. And he's, he's like, dude, like, I, I, I want you to just work with me. Yeah. So I ended up exiting my gyms. We came up with an agreement and I became his chief marketing officer for a couple of years. And that opened up tons of doors, wow. tons of learning opportunities. We're working with clients in 40, 43, 44 different countries. And you're just getting to see all these different businesses. I'm able to use all this, all this yeah. skill set to help all these businesses around the world. And that was an amazing time. And so worked with him up until his partnership with Grant Cardone. And then I, and then I resigned and started my own agency, started my own agency. And then recently was able to successfully exit that and, uh, and now just do consulting, just get to spend time. I got five beautiful kids there. My yeah. twins are now nine years old. So all this has happened in, in a pretty short amount of time. Right. And my twins are nine. I have a five-year-old boy, a three-year-old boy, a six-month-old little girl, and the most amazing, incredible wife in the world, Presley. And um, anyways, man, that's like I, now I just spend my time doing what I love the most, and that's pouring into my kids, making certain that I teach them the lessons that I've learned by going mm-hmm. through the fire, setting them up the best that I know how for success, and then coming in and working with cool people like yourselves yeah. and uh, helping them scale their businesses. So. <laughs> well, that's one of the things I've admired the most about you, dude, is like I didn't know what kind of dad you were when I when I was like, dude, I'm, I need to hire you for some consulting, right? Uh, but after developing a relationship with you and paying more attention to your social media, you know, I'm like, dude, this is like, this is my kind of people, right? And I've even told my wife, man, I'm like, man, like I just like I gravitate to people like that, right? But when we were sitting in one of our consulting calls, and you're like, "Hold on one second, my daughter's calling me," you know, and you're like, and then you, you talk to her and you get back on, you're like, "Sorry, man, when my baby's called, like I the world stops, right? <laughs> like I, I got to find out, like they're calling me for something, and there's nothing yeah. more important than that." And yeah. I was like, "But dude, I respect that. Like a lot of people would run their business like you know, like I've been guilty of where I'm like, oh, babe, I'll call you right back, or you know, um, text my daughter like, hey, uh, uh, is it urgent? Like, I'll let me call you right back. Like you're like, no, man. Like I put that first. Right. And uh, some people might be turned off by that, but I was like, dude, that actually just tells me more of the type of person that you are, right? So I think that's super admirable, man. And and uh, I love people that that they they 
they are just true to what their priorities really are. I so, appreciate that, man. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, y- you could tell by just, yeah, like Kel mm-hmm. said, looking at your social media, you know, that your family's your world and, and you do an amazing job at, at showing them that, right? Mm-hmm. So they won't ever have to question that, yeah. right? right? There's a lot of people that grow up in situations just like you did or uh, tough situations where maybe parents were absent because they're trying to put food on the table or whatever, uh, but your your intentions are with your family, um, and and I, you can it, that pulls people in because yeah. one you're an example for other people. Like this guy's putting his family as a top priority, and then you just sharing your story. You could just tell that also is a big motivating driving factor of your success. Right. You know, if you didn't have those two little kids that depended on you you could have easily quit and give up on yourself. I agree. But when you got those eyeballs staring at you, you know, that you could sleep with no lights or, you know, deal with no lights on at the house for a couple of days or a week or two, and it's no big deal. But when you're providing for people, uh, your children, it's, it's, it, it adds that initial, that, that fire, that, that spark that somebody really needs. That, I know that's when I started taking money, a business, life seriously is when mm-hmm. my wife called and said hey i'm pregnant and i my first response was oh fuck you know like, <laughs> I, you know i'm still hey, do hey, i change my number I, hey, I'm still gtl bro gym tan laundry you know what i mean <laughs> i'm still trying to do the jersey shore shit you know uh, um but let's switch gears real quick you know uh to have somebody like you on the podcast and not ask a, a few questions i think it would be a disservice so what what are some of the things that you initially identify when you're working with somebody consulting with them marketing wise you know, what, uh, what are some of the common mistakes that you see individuals making in their marketing? Like, are they going a little too direct? Like, Hey, I own an accounting firm. You should hire us. <laughs> like just direct at it. Like, Hey, you know, is that, you know, talk about that type of a process in terms of setting up a campaign, because I don't think people understand everything that it goes, that goes into it. Right. Because when you start peeling back the layers behind right. the scenes and see all the writing on the walls and mapping it out. Yeah. Right. Because most people will just go to well, Facebook and kick up an ad and then just throw right. money at it. Right. And then nothing Some dumb happens. image or something. And, and and we've thrown a lot of, you know, yeah. stuff at the wall and hope things stick as well in the past. And there's levels to it. We figured out some things at work. Right. Yeah. Um, but dude, there's a lot of boring industries out there, you right. know, wealth advisors, financial advisors, accountants, you know, all that shit, insurance, insurance agencies yeah, and, you know, and, uh, some of the non-sexy and yeah, you do, you got to figure out how to stand out and yeah. you know, I don't well, you know, just you probably have it. some nuggets, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just said the very first thing in marketing, most people, they're marketing, they try to mix marketing and sales and you need to understand those are two completely different ecosystems. Obviously mm. they complement each other. You have to have one to have to feed the other. It's the yin and yang, but it's not. Right. They're not the same thing, right? Putting up a marketing, uh, putting up a video for like a Facebook ad and you're trying to sell your product in the video. That's that you're, you're fighting a losing battle. That's not the place or platform for that. It is like marketing awareness. Well, to get a more and create intrigue. So even in that side of things, let's go deep for a second in, in any type of ad, like this, something that your people can take away right now, any type of ad that you create. And if you have an agency that's doing it differently, fire them, right? This is the way that it should be done. I don't give a shit who disagrees with me. The data proves me right. Is you have a couple, you have four different elements of any effective ad in the world, and that is first, like let's just take a Facebook or Instagram ad for example, or YouTube or anything, LinkedIn, whatever. So your first is your image or your video. It serves one purpose, one purpose only, right? The, and that is to be a pattern interrupt to get someone's mm-hmm. attention. The average American is presented with eight hundred thousand pieces of media per day. 
per day. Think about that. So how are you going to stand up? How are you going to get that that person to stop? It doesn't matter how good your product is. It doesn't matter how good your service is, how good your sales system is. It doesn't matter how great your your marketing is. If you can't get someone to stop and listen to you, it's all for naught. Like it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. One thing that really you taught me that, that really helped me finally like, oh shit, I get it is that like Facebook and them, their apps are designed to scroll with your your thumb because you can get through more advertising quicker, right? And so like literally you're scrolling Mm. with your thumb to get through all this feed as fast as you can. And that's what they want. And so it's like, you only have a fraction of a second to get someone to stop. Like, oh, I want to see that. Mm. Yeah. You know, and just, just you telling me that the science behind that is the thumb scroll for the fastest way to get marketing through people's eyeballs is what was like clicked to me. Like, holy shit, we really do only have a fraction of a second. Yeah. I mean, that, and if you look at all social media, they scroll that way and that's, science has proven that's the fastest way to get through. Yeah. What, how do they generate revenue? By delivering as many ads right. as possible. Right. Yeah. That's what they charge for. Right. So they're wanting to get as many as possible. That is the fastest way. So you have to find a way to get someone right. to stop. That's what that image, the image doesn't need to sell your product or video. It's not there to sell your product or service. It's not there to do any other thing. That initial image, the very first thing that they see, has no other purpose than to serve as a pattern interrupt. It don't have to be related to your product or service at all. Nothing. It is, has one job and one job only. That's to, that's to get someone to stop. The second thing is the headline. Right, and the headline again is not to sell your product. Like if you're, if your headlines of all of your advertisings out there is like, you know, get three for ninety nine or what? You're like, no, it is to create intrigue. It is to generate curiosity. Right, that is it because you're talking milliseconds of decisions that are be, being made in the human brain. Right, so you want them to stop. The next thing, their eye, eye tracking software. We we're just talking about this proves <laughs> that the next next place that they're typically going to go is, is to the headline. Mm. So because it's like, oh, this is like, think about the psychology of a human. Oh, this is odd. They're stopping at the image or video. They look at the headline. What is it about? Now you need to create intrigue, generate curiosity. When you do that effectively, what do they do? They go to the copy to read about whatever it is that you have or you're offering. Again, the copy, and maybe it's a script of the video, isn't to sell your product. It is to do one thing. The copy on the ad or the copy in the VSL or whatever whatever it is, is to sell the click. The click to get them off platform and into your sales funnel, mm-hmm. right? It, now your sales page, its job is to sell your product. Gotcha. So marketing, the biggest mistake people make in marketing is they're trying to condense those two things into one singular platform. Whereas number one, they're complete. They have two completely different jobs. Yes, they complement each other. They're the yin and yang that make the whole world work. But even in this marketing. Uh, field itself, there's four different elements. You have the pattern interrupt, you have the headline to generate curiosity, and you have the copy in order to sell the click. Now, the fourth one is the one that I think most people overlook, and I generally think is probably the most powerful. And that is the comment section of any advertisement that you do online, right? And people are like, what? What do you mean the comment section? Well, here's the, the reality is you can do all those first three things amazingly well, and if you don't pay attention and come across as a human in your comment sections, not as a corporate, not you know, replying as this almost like a, like a bot. Like, yeah, hi, like, how are you? Yeah, that bunch of bullshit. Thanks no, you for inquiring pe- people. I don't care what you're selling. If it's a ten dollar or a hundred thousand dollar ticket, people still buy from people, and they want to know that you're someone that they can relate to and they can trust. Well, what happens? I give you a prime example. What happens if you go to Amazon right now? What's the last thing you bought on Amazon? Uh, I don't buy it on Amazon. Some, <laughs> His it, wife like, does, yeah, though. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm a bad example. Like, I get crap for not having yeah. Amazon accounts. I, I don't buy have shit Venmo. on there all the time, I don't do man. Yeah. Okay. I don't, yeah. What about you, Kevin? What's the last 
Me and my wife just ordered silverware. All right, so if you, if you go on Amazon, you look for silverware, right? You're going to have, and you have this specific set that you want. I promise you there's multiple sellers of that silverware on there. Mm-hmm. Now, which one are you going to buy from? One that has the best reviews and the exactly. best comments. You're going to click, because they, they all have the same product, same price point. You, they've generated your curiosity. You click on them. Who, which one are you actually going to give your money to? You're going to go to the review section and see who has bought from this person before. Mm-hmm. How have they interacted? What was their experience? Mm-hmm. That's what the fucking comment section is on every single one of your advertisements. People that were almost sold on the click. They're like, man, this sounds intriguing, but let me check the comments and see what somebody else has experienced. If you have just ignored that and let that run its course and not engaged and controlled that, mm. you're missing out on a ton right. of revenue, yeah. right? Because just coming across in a humanized way yeah. re- and, and making certain that you're reflecting your business in a positive manner in the comment section right. can be extremely powerful right. and pick up so many lost sales of people who are almost there. So you're saying in some cases it captures their attention, they read the header, and then they might start poking around in the comment section, and, just, and then they see some of yeah. your replies, and they're like, damn, this company actually replies to everybody, and they're like, just well, not a, even good, that, but a like, good company. Exactly. Even on top of and that, then they start clicking. let's say someone that's looking on one of our ads, and they're not even looking for a new accountant, but they're just like, oh, well, I want to check out the reviews, and they see in there that uh, this, someone wrote a review. Like, oh, so nice having an accounting firm that's not boring that actually returns my calls. Now they're going to be like, oh, shit, okay, that's that's confirming. I'm going to actually switch accountants, right? Like, it's uh, it, that's, it's, that's what they're looking for It's confirmation. Absolutely. So would it be right. a good idea when you put an ad out is have a few people with a Facebook account comment on it? I mean, it certainly will help. It helps the algorithm as well. I mean, we can go into is, nuances is, is, of it. Is, 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 does that sound like a strategy that people use where there's like two or three accounts that they have that go onto their, like, Love some, this service, da, 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 and then you reply back, you know. Some like, people do. I'm personally, I like doing things the right way. I like creating great content that's going to generate a response. Anyways. A, anyways, yeah. and just make certain that, like, you have a dedicated person that goes in there. I'll tell you who does an incredible job of this, and they do it on Twitter, is um, Wendy's. Have yeah. you, oh my yeah. god! Wendy's is the like <laughs> yeah, gold standard. Dude. That if you they want to great shit, yes, they, keep they will it, they roast keep you. Real. They will roast yeah. you. They will talk, but they they come across as human. Like they're right. like, oh man, this is a cool. This is somebody I could I could kick it with. This is somebody, and, but it's a huge corporation. Yeah, right. They, but look at the way, my, like study how they interact. This there's a science to it. Yeah, and that that humanizes a brand. It makes you more trustworthy. It makes you more believable, and it will absolutely increase and your a, sales. And some of their shit has been shared. Oh my god. Fun because it's just funny exactly. the way that they respond. Yeah. It's not like corporate professional. Right. They're, they're, they talk shit too. Well, right. see, you know, and they're I, keeping it they're keeping it real. And I'll give you like this this is a little deep a little bit maybe too deep for some people, but this is but it's huge. Like the number one thing that makes that a uh, social media platform desires is length of time on platform. They want you to be on type on your platform as long, long as possible yeah. because that means they can deliver more ads to you and they can make more revenue, right? Very simple. Yeah. Very right. simple business model. Well, if you start playing by their rules, right? You have all these people like, oh, here's a hack. Here's a this. No, no, no. Figure, like, fuck all that. Do like play, go find out what they want, what they want, and then cater to that. Well, they want people to be on the platform more. So in the comment section, when you go to comment section and someone comments and you and you respond into that comment in an open-ended manner. Right, meaning they're making st- them want to reply again. Exactly. So they come back, which means like if you were on one of my ads and you you saw something you commented, well then you're by the time I see it, I'm probably not on the platform anymore. So what I'm gonna when I do, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna respond in an open open ended, humanized manner, like that was gonna generate another response from you. What did I do? I brought you from off platform 
to own platform, this thing called ad recall, which is the biggest thing. It's the, it's the biggest thing that can move the needle on your cost of ads than any other thing, right? It will lower mm. your cost of ads because what Facebook, Instagram, anybody, any social, any social media platform, what do they want? They want people on their platform. So right. if your mm. ads are taking people from off the platform back onto the platform, your ad cost for deliverability, your cost for CPMs will drop dramatically because you're giving the platform what they want. Right. And you're just doing They're it rewarding responding, you for it. In, yeah. responding in your comments. Mm. So what did cost you maybe $34 to get a thousand impressions now cost you $10. Well, if you think about that at scale, when you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. that can dramatically impact your bottom line. Absolutely. All because you were engaging in the comment section and bringing people that had commented something on your ad. They saw a notification of your comment. They came back on the app and the average app on the average time on Facebook's if you go on the app is like 21 22 minutes so that means you gave them 21 to 22 minutes to deliver ads that they didn't have they only have it mm. because of your ad so what does that mean they want your ads seen more right. it cost you less like it's you got to play the game bro it's playing chess mm -hmm. and when you put all these elements together this is the type of stuff that can take a company from 2 million to 10 million or 4 million to 15 million it's little things like this and doing them in a strategic manner that can right. change the game Absolutely. Mm. That's so powerful, man. Like, I mean, think about it. They, they're smart. They're some of the smartest people in the world. They're going to build their platform and their algorithm to reward the people that they look as as their partner. You right. know, let's say, come on. So, uh, and I never thought about it until, yeah, you yeah. know, until I've hired the man. <laughs> well, you just, I think a lot of people just go boost post. Right. You know, and, and, and we've had people message us like, hey, I've, I've boosted my post, but I'm not really getting a whole lot of results from it. Like they're just believing that Facebook is just automatically going to put it in front of the right people because they yeah. say, uh, what, what is it like, like my followers or something yeah. like that? Like show this to people that are like my following or right. whatever it is. Right. And anytime that I did that, when we were trying to scale the Instagram account, it didn't work yeah. worth a shit. But anytime I got in depth, like the exact type of person that I was trying to target, the age, the demographic, Male, female, interests, you know, all of that. That's when we actually started, right. you know, scaling and seeing results when we were initially starting the, the Instagram page. Would you say that you see more success for ads on Facebook or Instagram? Or is, is it good to do both? Or, like, talk a little bit about that. Because some people just do a hybrid, right? Since they're owned by the exact same company, the same ad could run on both platforms instantly if you sure. choose to do that. But do you see a better conversion if you just stick to Facebook or just stick to Instagram or does it matter industries, verticals, you know, that type of situation? Price point, right? Price point, gotcha. um, Lower ticket items, uh, specifically in the e-com space, are typically gonna, do, typically gonna do better on Instagram. Like um, clothing type companies. Yeah, like hats, one, yeah, e you know, yeah. anything e-com like that. Yeah. Anything, I would say over a, over a $49 price point, you're going to do better in Facebook, YouTube, and right now TikTok. TikTok's freaking bonkers. Yeah. Like it is amazing. Uh, I, need, I need to get up to date on that. Wow. I'm telling you, it is, it is, if you are ignoring TikTok right now, you're losing money. Like right. it is an incredible, incredible asset. And that, if I could just give you frame or, or uh, something to think about, I think one of the most powerful things a business owner, who's a mature business owner, who's looking to really scale, the way that you need to think about marketing assets is just that, as an asset, right? You don't have to have a thousand ads to scale your business. You just need two or three, maybe four, but they need to be done with the thought and the effort 
that I just described, yeah. right? And you put all of that in there, they can run for years. Yeah. I can show you case study after case study after case study of these ads that work for years at an incredible profit. You don't need thousands of variations. You just need to treat it as an asset, which means you're not just clicking a button and putting posts. Like this, y'all got this huge, beautiful, like, I don't know what, 10, 15,000 square foot office space here. Like you, you wouldn't just be like, oh, just, I'm going to click a button and whatever they give me, they give me. No, you're going to put time. Look at all the time you put into the artwork, the offices, every, mm -hmm. it's an app because it's an asset for your business, mm -hmm. right? You have to treat your marketing material the same way. Right. Like you don't need a thousand of them, but you need it. You need to treat it like an asset. You need to invest the time, the mm -hmm. energy, the effort, and the expertise in getting it done right. So that when you do hit the button, it performs the way that it should perform to bring you the attention and profit that you want to on whatever platform you are. And it can do that for an indefinite amount of time. Like that's really the game is treating so it like an asset and not just like, you know, this yeah, thing yeah. I'm going to do. So well, if you're, you're not right. investing into, you know, the time effort, utilizing information to your advantage and you're just hitting boost post, that can't be an asset because you're not spending time or money. That's right. Really to right. have your video or your ad perform. You're just posting something and hope that you win the lottery. Yeah, you know? that's it. An another thing I took away from that is when you said a mature business owner that's going to treat it as an asset is you've got to get rid of your prejudgments. Like, you know, we haven't really jumped into a a TikTok because we're like, eh, it's a kid's freaking platform, yeah. you know, but we've never actually dove into the data to see from a, a mature business owner standpoint of like, okay, well, what is the time that average time people spend on the platform? And like, what is the real demographics? And is is my target audience there? And, and it is, as I've been diving into it, I'm like, oh my gosh, man, there's financial guys on there doing tax tips getting hundreds of thousands of views right. but we're like oh we didn't want to jump on the goofy little tiktok kids dancing app right, right? but it's not just that right mm -hmm. and so we never really dove into it and so when you said a mature business owner it's like that's part of that you got to be mature enough yeah. to be like oh i'm gonna look let me look at the data before i make a prejudgment you that's know true. Um, true. so you talked about you know having three or four ads that could have just run for years yes. right um we found that to be true on 60 day credit repair Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, some of them don't work out. Right. You know, you'll, you'll record some and it's terrible. Yeah. Right. It costs you, you know, 15 bucks a lead on this one, but this adds five bucks a lead or whatever it right. is. Right. And the data will give you the information, whether it's garbage or not. Right. That's right. Because yeah. it'll tell you what you're spending per lead. Mm -hmm. And obviously the lower one's the better one. But at the same time, I think people need to also keep in mind, not every lead is equal at the same oh, yeah. time. So we've also made the mistake of, seeing an ad that's the cheapest, but does it convert? Right. Or right. are we just really pulling in just cheap garbage leads? That's true. Is it better to spend 15 bucks a lead and get quality to where right. we can convert? You know, so there's all of these metrics that you kind of have to keep an eye on because a cheap lead doesn't mean it's the best lead. Well, it goes back right. to what you said earlier, the yin and yang. Now they're not this marketing sales are not the same thing, but they absolutely feed off each other. And you have to look at the entire ecosystem yeah. just mm -hmm. for that, because maybe Maybe you're getting leads here for $5, uh, but they're converting for a product. Maybe you're getting this, you know, they, it is converting, but it's converting for an average order value of $2,000. Over here, you're getting a leads for $45. However, it's converting for a product of for 20 grand, mm. right? Well, I would just rather continue to pour more into this $45 lead, it's, but that's because I have a full picture of the ecosystem. Yeah, and then right. it's not, we're also not talking about just the first sale. Again, for business owners, like the, the fortune, I know you've said this before, and it's so true. The fortune is in the follow-up. If you're trying yes. to live and breathe off the first transaction, you're, you're, you're running the rat race, man. Get yeah. out of that. It's mm. the second, third, fourth, fifth sale. The second dollar is always cheaper than the first. 
right, that you can make from someone. So you have to structure your business to where, man, the first transaction, I'm just, look, I'm just, at best, I'm just trying to break even. Maybe In some make, cases, it's a lost leader. Maybe right. it is. It very yeah. well could be. Because if I have my back end and I have an entire view of the ecosystem and I have marketing, internal marketing now, set up for the people who've already paid to be my customer for something, I don't care if they've just swiped a card to give me $1. Yeah. That, that's a transaction. Like, they've taken their credit card out and done a transaction with me. Okay, there's there's a lot there's of value in that. There. Hell yeah. yeah, I'm going to sell that person till something I'm else. blue in the face from now until kingdom come, right? And and if you look at that, also from what you said, you look at the lead cost. Well, maybe this this lead over here over 30 days or 60 days only brings about this much revenue. But if you're properly tracking the sales process, maybe over two years, this lead over here that costs a little bit more is bringing you exponentially more through a two year life cycle. Mm. Right, it's all taking all those things into account to make data-driven decisions. So you said that a, a second ago, and I think for me personally, the best thing that I ever did, and I was forced to do this because of the situation yeah. that I learned all this in, was to take my ego completely out of the picture. Right, no matter e what you thought was, I didn't great. give a shit. Data. data. I'm yeah. looking at that. I yeah. think this ad sucks. I think the copy sucks. I think the data says it works. The data is giving me this result. Put everything behind that, dude. Right. We've we've seen 100%. that too. We've yeah. seen that in old ads and stuff. We're just like, fuck, we hate this landing page or we hate this or we hate that. But it converts. Build a prettier like, one yeah, next to it and it yeah. like, doesn't do shit. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we make one that we like, you know, at our level. <laughs> right. Because we're like, dude, if we saw that, we're not going to do shit with it. Right. Yeah. But we're not necessarily marketing to us. Yep. You know, it just, it, again, you people need to keep all of this top of mind. Just because you like it doesn't mean the market won't like it. Just because you think it looks like shit doesn't mean you shouldn't run a test on it. That's true. You know, again, let the data tell you if it's good or not. You don't decide whether it's good or not. Bro, so you true. You know, they, let the consumer tell yeah. you because in some cases we've even told, been told like in some cases, sh shitty, shittier sites, you know, landing pages or whatever convert better. I yeah. would say eight you out know, of 10 times they do. Like in versus this yeah. over the top, beautiful, you spend all this money making it look like the most professional corporate company in the entire world. You know, in, in their in their eyes, maybe it seems like it's too big of a company to do business. I don't know what the science is behind the psychology of it, but God, we had some landing pages that me and Kel absolutely hated that we wanted to redo. And we were we talked to people that were you know, uh, in marketing. Hey, should we do? And he, they would look at our our cost per lead, and they're like, it converts at twenty percent. They're like, dude, <laughs> just run with it. Who right. gives a shit what you feel about it? If it's right. working, it's working, right? Because we always wanted to try to tweak and, and, and change it, and make it a little bit better, and maybe get the conversions to 25% or whatever. Would you would you say that that's something that you see as well, is sometimes people rest a little too much when they find something that's working and they stop tweaking and trying to make it better and, and bring down the, I think, the, the cost? Or I if think, it's just working, don't touch it. Uh, let's, uh, so let's tie this into the, to the name of the podcast. I think a real business owner, mm -hmm. right? A real business owner is a is self-aware enough to know when their ego is driving decisions mm. and a lot of the times when you want the big beautiful website and you want all the aesthetics and you want all the pretty things and the bells and whistles and the apps and the shit that's not going to drive revenue or there's no there's no data that says that it will 
Um, you have to, as a real business owner, you have to yeah. say, you know what, let me put my ego aside and just make decisions as a true CEO based off the data. And I think that's a filter we can all look at ourselves through. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna, it's not a one-time decision, right? right? It happens constantly. If, should I do this? Well, is my ego feeding that? Right. Do I want it to look a certain way for whatever for myself, reason? Yeah. For myself, for friends yeah. or family, so care about my think image. I'm doing so right. great. Or, or am I just making decisions based off what's best for the health and growth of the company? Period. Yeah. And if we can discipline ourselves to, to evaluate everything through that filter, mm-hmm. we are a real business owner. And you're going to make, you're going to scale a whole lot faster than the one, than the business owner down the street who's made a little bit of money, has a little bit extra to spend. Now they want to make everything big and beautiful. It's the one that is able to discipline themselves to make that decision based off data. Even if they disagree with it, but the data shows otherwise. Especially so they if they ego, disagree with it. Yeah. Check their ego and run with the data. Yep. You know, 100%. Uh, let me, let me ask you this in terms of, you know, individuals hiring uh, SEO companies, you know, because that falls under marketing, right? Sure. You know, we we don't really like it because uh, we've tried right. it, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I'd love to hear your take on SEO. I mean, we I think the issue that we had is, you know, we're more nationwide, right? right. And so it's a little bit harder to, to, to get a presence SEO-wise when you're doing business in pretty much all 50 states, right? right. Sure. Um, versus maybe a mom and pop shop that only has presence in a small town. Maybe that small town will be easy to game the SEO. Talk about maybe one, your belief in SEO. Is it still work? Is it still relevant? And secondly, in what cases does it work best and what cases won't it work best? How do you, you believe how do you, you yeah. not get screwed? Yeah. How do you not get screwed? <laughs> we, we've spent money on several SEO co- and it just never really seems to pan out. Yeah. And it's always when we actually spend money uh, on ads that it works better rather than paying somebody to do, uh, you know, some, whatever they're doing behind the scenes to get certain amount of links, backlinks to our site, whatever, whatever. We don't understand it. We just, uh, well, let me say this. I do believe there's, there's value in SEO. Okay. I do believe it is only for a specific segment of business owners. And I think that means you have to have a very, um, you have to be comfortable with a long runway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you're not looking for a direct response sale today and you're comfortable floating that financially. You're cool with that. Long and runway as in at least probably six to 18 months minimum. Yes. Yeah. You know, I would, I would like agree that. with that. Yeah. And also know that like there, there is no, here's the problem. There is no immediate gratification there and you have to have a higher ticket item for it to make financial sense. Mm-hmm. Right. You, mm-hmm. you have to, like if you're selling something that's just a few hundred, a few thousand dollars, Financially, I don't think it's spend not that five you can, grand a month on yeah. SEO for a year or two on a. It's product. not that yeah. you can't make it work. It's should you make it work, right? You could over a long period of time if you just wanted to, you know, run through a brick wall. You run into it long enough. Eventually, you'll probably get through the thing. But should you, right? Well, you mm-hmm. could just buy a fucking missile and shoot the wall down and walk through the thing. Um, so there's a time and place for it. I do believe now this is where I do. I do believe SEO in the world of YouTube is extremely powerful right now. And you should put some effort and in, in energy into that. Like YouTube is over just over the past three to six months has made tremendous strides in the quality of conversions that it's providing its advertisers. Mm. Um, I, I think YouTube is making a big comeback, if you will. Uh, I, and the, because of the threat of TikTok, like a lot, that's got a lot of people's attention in, oh, the, in yeah. the world of social media. Yeah. And a lot of people are trying to like, hey, TikTok's getting too big, too fast, too efficient. Their user base is matured. They're spending money. Their ad platform is by far the best native ad platform I've ever seen in my life anywhere. Wow. And that's got the attention. Like 
This is me so as a the, marketer. Even the big dogs, no, they are very mm-hmm. well aware. They're just like, oh, yeah. well, they're going to come in and take a big piece well, of the market share. Well, I mean, look if at we Instagram. don't make things yeah. better, if we don't continue to. Well, here's the thing. All right, so we talked about time on platform. Yeah. It's the number one thing that drives social media because the more that you're on the platform, the more ads I can deliver to you and the more, more money that I can make. Yes. That's why Facebook has been the conglomerate. That's why Instagram has been number two. Facebook has, for the past decade, held it because everywhere, every other social media platform is like six to seven, maybe eight minutes of average user time. Facebook's always been around 20 to 23, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range, right? So they've been light Double years. Double or triple the light amount of years time. Yeah. That's why Snapchat can never make money, right? They still don't make money, a profit, because you're not on the platform long enough for them to deliver ads to, to mm-hmm. make a profit. They never will be profitable. Um, however, TikTok comes along. Now think of, remember what I just told you, average is six to eight. Facebook's over here killing the marketplace at 21 to 23 minutes um, for the past decade per user session. Guess what TikTok's is right now and has been for the past year? I won't say because he already told me. 30 minutes? 51 minutes. That's not just 51 minutes that you're on their platform. Mm. That's time that you're not spending on Facebook, that you're not spending on Instagram, that you're Mm. not spending on LinkedIn. They are killing the market right now, and Mm. they have all of them shaking in their boots. Like, that's, it's not my opinion. That's just data. Yeah. Like people are getting on there and they're staying on there and they are hooked. And their native, their, their platform for ads is insanely good. So there, now you have YouTube like, oh, we got to do something. Uh, Facebook, and if you notice, Facebook is pushing inside fa- Reels is an Instagram thing. If you go in your Facebook platform oh, right yeah, now, you'll the, see Reels. Yeah. Why? Because Facebook is like, we got to catch up. We got to get Instagram Reels to those catch up with minor, TikTok. Yeah, those little minor Every, that, I'm telling you, that is what the reason they're doing that is because of what TikTok's doing to the marketplace right now. It is phenomenal. Um, just and to me, I'm just enamored by it. It's like it's amazing when any company comes across and like here's the gold standard, yeah. and nobody's even close to it. Like Facebook's crushing it, 21, 23 minutes. Like no one's even close. And you have TikTok show up, like fuck that. Hold my beer. Watch this. Yeah, <laughs> 51 minutes, yeah. and it's just it's amazing. Like um, anyway, so that's why you see a lot. I do think there's a lot of effort and energy. Um, and value can be found in doing SEO properly for YouTube and, and even TikTok. There's things that you can do there. Um, TikTok is still being figured out because it's still a growing yeah, yeah, yeah. native platform. But uh, yeah, I think is it's it, there. Is it cheap? Cheap? Is it yes. Cheap? Is, 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 by like, far. Like, because, like early Facebook like, days. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. So, I mean, when we were running campaigns 2009, 2010, you know, uh, with a business funding company, they were cheap. Mm-hmm. They were, che- and then five years into it, yeah, six Google years was into killing it, us, and they were like, started oh, Facebook's literally cool. going from like yeah. eight to twelve bucks a lead to fifty to a hundred because bigger companies started playing in the business funding space, and so that's when we, you know, switched gears and just focused completely on credit repair. But yeah. um, it's the same thing on Facebook. Early days, shit was super cheap, and again, it just continues to increase right over time because. Now they have a large market share. They can continue to bump prices in order to get in front of people. And the more companies that are marketing on there in your industry, it's going to drive the price up. So individuals right now that are in business, they should be focusing uh, on TikTok and trying to, you know, find that lightning in a bottle. And And I believe it's a great testing ground because the organic reach there is astronomical. You can have zero followers and go put up there and TikTok does what no other platform does. They're going to show it to at least 100 to 1,000 people that just to get their just reaction. To, well, dude, the, like the year. So like I've been on TikTok for like, I don't know, six months now and they have the, your following. Right. But then mm-hmm. they have your page, which is all that stuff. Right. right. And that's actually where 
I've preferred to spend my time. I don't sure. want like even the people I'm like, oh, I actually like them. I follow them. I never go over there. I always stay on the your page. <laughs> right. I want to see all the new stuff. But that's right? like that, an explore yeah. page. I'm yes, on but you're, you're exactly. I, you get on there and you'll be you'll spend more of your time because the algorithm knows what you want more exactly, than you. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's powerful. It's, it's, it's genius. But here's here's also something just taking us back to marketing. Right? We've spent a lot of time over the past few days talking about this. The 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 key to effective marketing, right, is we talked about the elements, but what if I could simplify it all, it is to be entertaining. Entertainment yeah. is the number one uh, source of but anything that's in why the world. people are on TikTok. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why the NBA exists, the NFL. Yeah. That's why uh, the MLB Some exists. Some of the biggest That's why Hollywood exists. Yeah. It, like, enter the entertainment industry is the biggest industry in the world. Mm-hmm. If you understand, us as humans, we we desire, we genuinely desire, we have a need to be entertained. Right. So it's marketing. It's like a little escape from reality, like your problems go away when you're looking at sure. something and you're entertained. You're not thinking about the problems you're drawn in. Right. right? And so effective marketing does that. One of the biggest mistakes people make is they just try to sell their product. No, you got to entertain. Yeah. Right. Billy Jean does this incredibly well. Yeah. If you ever follow him, he does an ex- ex- extremely good job of this, but it's all about entertainment. TikTok gives you a platform to test entertainment ideas quickly and efficiently mm-hmm. and for mm-hmm. nothing for free. You can right. throw a 15 second video up there and like, Hey, I might think this works. Does it get any traction or not? Right. If yeah. it does turn it into an ad, like right. push the money behind it. But you're, it's able to give you a, a very real time response on is what I'm trying to put out there entertaining enough for people to engage with it and to yeah. be interested and to want more. Just, just to piggyback off of that real quick. When, when we were doing the Instagram thing, initially starting to try to grow real business owners, how I would determine which one I was going to spend money on mm-hmm. to try to say, hey, we exist. Not necessarily, we weren't selling anything. It was just basically like, hey, we exist, follow the account. So it was like, right. you know, go to profile, right? So we were just trying to grow the awareness of the page, not necessarily sell a widget or hats or whatever. We weren't selling anything. But what I would do is let the data tell me which one and how I would find the data is when we would make a post. If one got a 500 likes and this other post got 1500 likes, I'm like, Hmm, well, the people are telling me this one they like better. The majority of people are liking this post, not this post. So where am I going to put the money? I'm going to put the money on the one that 1500 people liked in order for them to, uh, for us anyways, to spend money on to get more awareness to the page. And so I would initially let our following tell me whether or not that post was good based upon the views and based upon the likes. And then when our following likes it that much, then I'm going to spend money on it because I know if they like it, then like-minded people just like them are going to maybe follow that page at that point. And so again, it goes back to the point of letting your data tell you the information that you need and utilize data to your advantage because it does exist. That's all these platforms are built on is Mm -hmm. just data. They, they want to give you as much data in order for you to market to your direct customer or the individual because they want your ad dollars. That's right. Right. And so they want you bringing people back on the platform. Like we talked about all of it, all of that, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, just to kind of wrap things up a little bit, you know, what, what advice would you give to, let's say, a one to five year entrepreneur that might be struggling at this point in time? Because there's a lot of people that are struggling. They don't have Especially some things figured marketing. out. Yeah, marketing mainly. That's Look, that's I, I, I say businesses only have one problem and it's leads. You're either not getting enough or you've got too much. It, it never really just comes in at a perfect trickle exactly <laughs> right. how you could grow. Like when you first start out, you're like, I need, I need customers. I need leads. I need to, I need to, 
you know, and that's your problem. And then when you get the marketing figured out, you can turn it up and you can generate too many leads, right? And then now you've got to build your back end or fulfillment to be able to satisfy that volume, right? And right. so uh, what what's one piece of advice that you'd give a young entrepreneur, whether it's a marketing or just mindset or whatever it is, because you've done some of the same things we've done uh, in terms of investing into, you know, like-minded people by joining entrepreneurship groups, you know, you started working for Frank Kern, you wanted to put yourself in environments where you were around people that were doing bigger shit than you that you absorb good information from that helped turn you into the individual that you are today. So what's a what's a gem that you could you could give these youngsters that might be struggling right now? Well, I'll leave you with this. And it's one that can serve you in many aspects of your business, right? And that is, and go with me here, that is to learn your financial why and make it a practice within your company as you build and grow higher behind your financial why as well. What I mean by that is it gives you data points to help you make decisions, right? If, if I understand my financial why, and I'm not saying like, oh, what's my why? My why is my kids and my family. Okay, fucking great. That's, that's, that's all of ours. Yeah. But, but no, what, what, is, what is it? Like put a monetary figure. What is it specifically that you want for them? What is the financial figure that that's going to take for that to happen? Mm-hmm. What is the amount of profit margin that you have to have for that? Like you need to look into the numbers of your business and figure out what are those things? What is the timeline that you need that amount of money for that particular thing to be fulfilled? What is that? That What is the financial why? And then back down into how do you, what do you need each and every month, each and every quarter in order for that to take place? Now, every single month and every single quarter, your game plan is very specific and it's tied to the things that you value the most. If I want to take my children, like we're going to Hawaii uh, for uh, for New Year, Christmas and New Year's this year. And it's, you know, it's to take my family is of they're, they're bougie now. I got right. some bougie kids now. It's, it's, it's a financial that I have to yeah, know. They're not going to worry about the lights no more. You know? <laughs> no, they're <laughs> worried about which island they're going to. Look, you know? my, my daughter, my, one of my nine-year-olds in equestrian, she was in love with this horse. horse damn horse, $400,000. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, bougie. Uh, right. Yeah. But hey, I love it because yeah, their yeah. happiness yeah. is what brings me happiness. Yeah. But I, like, you have to identify what it specifically is your, do you want a dream home? When do you want it? How much does it cost? How much do you need for the down payment after that down payment? What is the mortgage going to cost you? How much you, what do you actually need? What is the financial figure that you need for your financial? Why? And then you break it down to what do I need to do on a monthly basis to get that? So then when you're looking at marketing, when you're looking at sales, when you're looking at investing in these assets, you know, it makes sense. Like if I can put a dollar in here and get $5 out there and I can do this this many times, it helps me get to this goal, which is tied to something that I'm intimately aware of that I'm intimately like desiring right? That I have a specific mm. thing. Now, practices on yourself is step one, mm-hmm. where it gets really, really good is when you start hiring and managing like this, right? Meaning when you bring somebody in, in the interview process and you think that you might hire them, go through that same process with them. Right? Right. When you hire someone, let's say you're going to hire this person. All right. What is your financial? Why? Maybe it's a, it's a single mom over here who wants to, who is living in an apartment and wants to live in a nice home for their kids. So their kids can have a backyard to play in, right? Okay. Well, you want to move there when? In the next six months? Yes. Okay, well, let's talk about your financial picture right now. How much does it cost for you to get the down payment for that? What are you going to need for that home in that neighborhood? Let's look it up. Let's go on Zillow right now and figure that out. Okay, so you're going to need this for a down payment. How much do you have now? I have nothing. Okay, so we need to have this amount for a nest egg in this 
this amount for a down payment. All right, what's the difference between the mortgage and your current rent? What is that? All right, and then what are the other expenses? Let's lay that out. Okay, so in, you want to do this in six months or one year time? Okay, great. So that's what you need. So that means you need to make, and here's your other expenses throughout your, your household for you to take care of your kids and take care of your family. And so this is what you need to make each month to do this. If like you hire salespeople and commission, this is fucking brilliant. And you say, all right, so here's what you need to make each month in order to get to this thing. Now, number one, you are, you are creating a comp plan, not around your business, not mm. around your desire. You're designing a comp plan for their desires, the things that matter most to them. I promise you, nobody else has done that for them. There's going to be an affinity and attachment to you because remember, this is happening in the interview process. They're like, oh my God, these people care more than anything. So because, and here's the beautiful part about it is you're going to be able to hold them accountable to a standard that, that is they set that too. they set, mm -hmm. right? That matters to them. So if one month they're not living up to expectations and they're not hitting their goals that right. hey, your uh, actions hey, don't you, match the goals. You don't the have to tell them they're off pace because they already know. No, but you, you have know? that conversation with them like, hey, John, we're not on track right, right. now. And this is really going to affect you being, being able yeah. to buy that home in that right. neighborhood in five more months. So mm. what do we need to, what can I do to support so you powerful. to get you back on track so that we can, like that conversation is completely different than, damn it, John, why didn't you hit your goal this week? Right. You know, that is a completely different conversation right. and a completely different culture, yeah. right? That you're able to, when that you, you're able to additionally, out those last thing out there, when you manage this way, you hire and you manage this way, guess what you end up doing? Paying employees less because we, as CEOs, we're all financially driven to a degree. And we assume that most people are as well. And they will even tell you they are. Right. The reality is that same person that you hired through that conversation, you may have had in your mind that you're going to pay them 80 grand a year. But when they break it down for them to hit their goals and even exceed their goals, they only need a $60,000 a year comp plan. So it actually saving, it will have a hundred percent of time. If you do, if you manage this way, cause it's like, it will save you money on payroll. Any business's greatest expense right. because, but your employees will be happier, more effective and more motivated than ever before. Because they have a clear path. That's right. right. They, they're showing up for something that matters Not, to them. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And if individuals don't have a clear path then they don't know what they're working for, they're just working to, you know, make ends meet, put food on yep. the table. And then they, you know, never right. really excel because they have no reason to, because they're always just going to keep a roof over their head, put food on the table. That's right. So in some cases, what you're saying is build, help them build their own personal right. vision of what they want and then hold them accountable to what they want. And you'll see a, Probably a, establishes a huge a shit ton of loyalty. Yeah. Too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. You, know, you like can have I a head for, come in when you have somebody in that type of environment and that's how they're comp plan. And that's how you manage and hold accountable. You can have a head come in and say, Oh, I'm going to pay you $20,000 more. Promise you it won't phase them mm -hmm. at all because it, like you're just talking numbers to them. What you're the discussion that yeah, you're absolutely. having with yeah, them is real is emotion, exactly. roles, yeah. things that are meaningful to them. Money has no meaning unless you have something behind it, like the dream house right? or right. whatever, you know, that, that that's the reason why people tie meaning to money is because it's not the money. It's what they can get with the money. Right. And if that's you right. don't understand and help them understand what they're trying to accomplish in life, what the money can do for them, then they're not going to be motivated by right. it. That's right. true. We've actually so, been really good at this, but it wasn't yeah. our strategy. We weren't strategic about it, right? And right. I think that that hearing you talk about it, it's like, man, it's so smart to make all this stuff about 
the strategy first before you get tactical with it. Um, but man, we just care about our people. So we're like, man, we're paying stuff off for them, giving them advances so they can fix their credit, helping them buy their first home, like do all these things. Like we've done it so many times and those are the people who are still here today. Yeah. That's right. You know what I mean? And True. so that's why I brought Maybe. up the loyalty yeah, part. Yeah, down but, payments on houses. But to make like a part of your strategy, of like yes. you said, ooh, so powerful. Yeah, so no doubt. I am worried though. Because you got to get the airport. They don't have a restaurant there, so I want to get them some food. No, or something you're good. The way there, I was you just know? gonna. Ask, yeah, yeah, you know, I know. How we're wrapping do, up. How do, how do people connect with you if they want to reach out, touch base with you, or you know, maybe and, have an interest in potentially working with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Instagram or Facebook. Just yeah. shoot, hit me a DM. Facebook, Instagram. I po- most of my posts nowadays are just about family. Yes, but if yeah. you have a question in um, in marketing or sales or anything, I can do to help. Man, I'm I, I, I like I, I genuinely believe in the giving back thing. I. I yeah. I genuinely have find value and um and happiness. Serving. Yeah, yeah, I do. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, you're you've been in the game long enough. You know, if you, uh, he's Mister. What was the guy's name? What? Poy Poyer. Now you're 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 wearing the other guy's shoes that gave you the rent for free. Yeah. You're, oh, you're uh, what, what, ponder, ponder, ponder. Yeah, that's he's right. Mister Ponder right. now you for go. some of you guys. Yeah. You know, right. he'll give you a couple nuggets. Maybe you know in the DM if you reach out to him and he's just there to serve. He's a good man. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're trying to obviously take your business to the next level, there's only one way to do it, and it's investing into your marketing, invest into the message that yeah. you're putting out. Well, it's time's valuable too, so don't be like uh, one of those. Uh, yeah, don't be one of the. F- <laughs> <laughs> You please, know, you know please. who you are. You know, you, when you <laughs> right. take advantage a little bit, you know he's being giving with his time, but don't don't take advantage of it sure, at, right. at the exact same time. So, what uh, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, the underscore Brad underscore Bearden. Okay, the well, Brad Bearden. Again, we'll have that in the show notes down in the bio, mm-hmm. so that you guys can connect with him. Uh, make sure that you uh, you know take advantage of the individuals that that we put on the podcast yeah. and reach out to them. If you do have a question, if they can clarify something in their marketing strategy, I'm sure Brad would be there uh, willing to help. And if you literally are serious about taking your business to the next level marketing wise, uh, hands down, you know, Brad's, Brad's, you know, top, top notch. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why, why we we've spent money with Hey them. man, we try to invest um, in the best. And like, honestly, it's, yeah. I, I'm so grateful that you were willing yeah. to give some of your time. Cause I know how valuable it is yeah. uh, to come in here and share this with some of our audience. Yeah. Man, Cause like even the stuff you've been teaching me was some of the stuff we talked about today. I'm still getting, nuggets still getting nuggets from it, from it yeah. man. And so yeah, it's, I know it's, this, it's, yeah, this episode super grateful will, for your time. Uh, will definitely be impactful to many. So Make sure you guys are rating, reviewing the podcast. Don't slip up. We're watching you. We'll come after you. We'll find out where you live. You know, if you're taking advantage of the podcast in getting value, but not, you know, dropping a review. So share it with friends, family that that could benefit from it. And other than that, guys, kick ass. Take care. Have a good day.